1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown, and it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we're starting to get more alternative and more creative too when it comes to property financing methods. Over the next few weeks, we shall look at how we may not actually require any financing at all, at least to begin with, and we'll consider how we can leverage an existing property owner's asset and potentially their existing finance to fund our property investments. The next two weeks are all about lease options, as we speak to both an investor and a deal sourcer that specialize in them. Today, we start my discussion with Tom Appleton, a former professional footballer that ended his playing career in the USA before returning to the UK to build a property portfolio using lease options in the most part. Let's have a listen as Tom shares with us his experience in applying lease options as a creative financing method
0: for property investment. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter.
1: So um, here we are again on the uh, the Property Voice, uh, part of the third series proper, where, as you know, we're looking at uh, financing and in particular creative financing techniques in, in property. And I'm very pleased to say that I'm joined today on today's show by Tom Appleton. And um, I'll let Tom introduce himself, but I'm particularly interested in one his background and um, his sort of relative, you know, normality, if you like, and, and how he got into, uh, he's going to talk particularly, I think, about lease options, um, how he got into it in the first place. But uh, Tom, are you there? I'm, there? I'm here,
2: Richard. Great
1: stuff. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Thanks very much. Well, it's really good to get you on the show. Thanks for joining us today.
2: No worries at
1: all. Good Fantastic. to be here. Great. Well, um, let's, just, let's just get straight into it then. Um, I'd like to sort of move through these questions you know, quite quickly, give the, uh, the listeners something to chew over. But can you just give us a brief outline, an introduction into yourself and your background, and, and in particular your specialist knowledge or experience in the area of uh, creative financing in general, but lease options in particular?
2: Of course, yeah. So um, I primarily came back from a footballing background. Um, so I played football um, throughout my youth and then I, I played for a professional team till I was 18. Um, so I went to university, did the whole three years at university and then after that I sort of thought I could probably get back into and do something with this football. So um, I went to America and played, uh, played football in Los Angeles. Um, very fortunate. Uh, Sad so thing that I got a, a pretty serious injury um, after a year or so. Um, so obviously was looking for other things to do from that point. Um, I was always very interested in property. Um, when I was at university I came across um, a lot of property investors, things like that. Obviously your landlords and all that sort of stuff. Um, so when I was in Los Angeles I got this football injury. I came across a few people who were fairly big property developers over there. Uh-huh. Um, they've got a few businesses in property, done various different things. Um, and that got me very intrigued so I sort of met, met up with them more and more as, uh, as the year went on um, and I'm not sure if you know one of uh, purchase lease options are actually fairly common in America um, so although in England they're not they're not that common uh, in America it is fairly common. I don't know what about purchase lease options in America how they are done um, various different things around that area So that's how I really initially got got introduced to purchase lease options. I was in America for another two years after that, sort of, I didn't do anything myself in property, but I'd learned a lot from these uh, now friends that I'd met over there. I'd sort of set up my own coaching academy, my injury got too bad, so I ended up coming back to England. And I thought, well, I really enjoy property, it's something I really want to get into. so I started started sort of my property journey when I came back to England. Um, and obviously I liked the strategies of purchase lease options. They weren't that common in England, so um, I thought it was something I could really start to of take advantage of. Yep.
1: And, and when yep. was that, when you came back to the UK, Tom?
2: Yeah, I came back in the uh, start of 2012.
1: So just, just four years ago. Four so years ago, yeah. Still quite a young man then, I guess. Yeah, well, I've just turned thirty. <laughs> oh, congratulations, no. <laughs> Not
2: too young anymore. <laughs> yeah, I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's what we're looking at. But anyway, I tell you what, though. Someone, someone who likes football and property is a, is definitely a man after my own heart. Anyway, so uh, it was. Uh, it's easy to talk to you, that's for sure. But um, and fascinating, really, that a university you kind of got into property, presumably looking from you know yeah. the, the sort of tenant point of view at the
2: landlords um, at that moment. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, through sort of my second year of university, I got um, I was going on a viewing to view a few properties, and I got picked up in a Range Rover, um, and I was thinking, oh, this this guy seems to have done okay, and I got speaking to him, and it turned out he wasn't the letting agent, he was the owner of the properties. Mm. So uh, that sort of got me intrigued as a, as a young 19-year-old, um, mm. how this guy has sort of done it. So that's what really sort of got my attention um, around property from my, like, sort of early age and while I was at university.
1: So well done. And I I agree with you, actually, that um in terms of the lease options or lease purchase options, as you you like to call them, they they are more popular in other places, particularly the US, I think Australia as well, actually. Um, They they, they are growing in popularity here, but um, we often tend to get what the States gets about 10 years later. (laughs) So um, you're ahead of the game in that respect. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about um, lease options or or purchase lease options, as you like to call them. What what are they um, exactly?
2: So a purchase lease option basically is a delayed purchase. So obviously you will will set like a certain time frame. um, You will lease the property for, so initially obviously you will lease the property from the landlord. And then the option side of it is um, a set purchase price. You agree with the the vendor um, and then obviously you can purchase, you can exercise that option any time in the period you sort of agree with the vendor to um, so say it's five years um, you can agree with the vendor that you are going to purchase this property anytime in the next five years you will then lease the property in the meantime so you can use it for the cash flow um, which we'll talk about a bit, a bit more later um, and then obviously the option side of it is the the actual purchase of the property which is obviously um, set, a set price
1: okay so basically did you say a, a deferred purchase yeah a, a delayed purchase. Delayed purchase. Delayed purchase. Yeah. So that would yeah. be that would be different to say a deferred completion uh type of yeah. contract, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's just an option to buy it at a future date. Yeah. yeah. that's it, yeah. So just drilling into the detail then a little bit, um, in terms of how it might work in practice. Um, just talk yeah. us through the different types of um, things that you, you know you kind of look out for in a, in a, in a typical uh, purchase, lease, option, transaction. Things like how long a contract it might be or lease or rent yeah. payment levels, the option, th- this sort of thing. Just talk us through some of the mechanics or the components, if you like.
2: Of course, yeah. So um, I primarily invest in HMOs. So I've got a fairly large portfolio of HMO properties. And... Um, and the, the normal sort of thing you'll find with HMO properties obviously they're owned by landlords. Um, so it would sort of depend what sort of issues or problems they might have got um, with that property. A lot of that time that can be they can't rent the property out, um, the property is very tired, it's not attracted to tenants anymore, um, there might be occasions where they've got negative equity on the property, um, things like that. So. That's sort of a lot of motivation from the vendor's side um, of how it sort of might work. Um, So when you're then negotiating with the vendor, um, I mean, a purchase lease option can be sort of any. It's a a contract you can sort of do anything with, really. Um, So you can sort of give it any sort of length you want on the time you're going to lease the property for. Um, You can agree sort of any purchase price. So a typical sort of length I like to do. Uh, anything between five to seven years and that's basically because it's a long enough period for some capital growth on the property uh-huh. um, but it's obviously not too long where um, I don't know about like 10, 12, 15 years down the line where I don't know the, the vendor might not be too happy with leaving it that too long or, I mean even yourself obviously you want to eventually own property outright so I like to do anything between five to seven years. I think it's a good, a good term to have a good capital growth, but also not too long where you can make the purchase and, and sort of own the profit.
1: So typical length, as you say, is flexible, but um, you like time yeah. at five to seven years. It gives an opportunity for a little bit of capital growth to kick in. So that, yeah. that looks at the, the purchase price bit a little bit, doesn't it? So you're agreeing to buy that property today, but you won't actually yeah. pay for it until five to seven years' time. Um, yeah. what typically, what you know, would you set the purchase price at? What are the drivers that would determine what that purchase price in five to seven years might be?
2: So again, um, that comes down to the negotiation with the vendor but um, primarily you want to get what the purchase price is what the market value is of that property today um, for example in, in my area in Leeds where I invest uh, you might get HMO, five bedroom HMO the market value is worth say, 200,000 today. Um, so you'll get an option price of 200,000. and then obviously you can then purchase purchase at that price uh, any time during the option period you have. Obviously, normally I do five to seven years. So uh, purchase that property for 200,000 any time up to five to seven years. Um, and obviously that then gives you the advantage of um, hopefully getting some capital growth during that time.
1: Okay, so you you'd normally try and set the option price in the future at today's market value, Uh, and yeah, today's
2: market
1: value. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's you know probably uh, because you're hm using HMO strategy as well and. You can, mm. uh, we'll come on to it, but I dare say you're making, you know, decent cash flow um, out of the property as well. Is that right? Yeah. The, no. I guess it could be a scenario, though. And I, and I know what you've said is basically you can do anything you want with it. You need to understand what the uh, mm. what the vendor's position is and their motivation is. But for argument's sake, right. if the um, if the market value today was, um, let's say, below their mortgage, I presume that might have an influence on what the future purchase price might be
2: as well. Definitely, yes. I mean, I'll mean, i give you an example of one of mine I did last year. This was a um, six-bedroom HMO. Um, the landlord was uh, struggling to rent it out. There was a few issues with it. It wasn't so it had all, obviously all the regulations. It had a HMO license and everything. Um, but he, he couldn't rent it out. He was looking very tired. Uh, this landlord bought at the height of the market back in 2007, um, which was a, a very inflated price. Um, so. Um, he actually had a mortgage on there for 220000 um, and the, the actual value of the property today is probably about 190, 195000 uh-huh. um, So basically, obviously, I, when we were negotiating the auction, obviously, you want to be as fair as possible with the vendors also, um, and sort of come to a win-win agreement with them. So basically, we set the auction price at, at 220000 which was his um, outstanding mortgage. Yeah. Um, and that's and that I've got um I've actually got a slightly longer one on that it's, I think it's eight years on that one which is the longest one I've done, okay. because that was the sort of length of his mortgage as well, um, and obviously because there is a bit of negative equity there, it gives it more time to sort of come up in value, and then when I come to exercise the option, hopefully it will have gone over the, the mortgage amount and also um, a bit of capital growth myself as well.
1: Yeah, well. I want to kind of get into these sort of drivers from the motivation of the owner's point of view in a second, but just to sort of pick a little bit the the bones of what are the typical components. Um, I guess there's two of the bits we haven't really talked about too much. One is the the lease bit or the rent payment, and the other bit is the option fee. Um, So what what do you normally, you know, what's typical for for those types of things?
2: So the option fee typically is one pound. Um, that is what it takes to sort of exchange on an option, uh, which is obviously why they're very, very attractive to to investors and things as well. Um, so that is a typical sort of amount you'd pay it on the actual option to get the option. Um, so you pay that. at the, beginning. No, the how, sorry, sorry, Tom. Yeah, yeah so you pay that. So through through solicitors. Yeah, so through your solicitors. Obviously, you'd want both sides to be represented by solicitors. And um, I have my own solicitor, which I use for all my sort of purchase lease options and everything, and then I can. Obviously, you can obviously recommend a few to the vendors if they're not too sure of any. I of, sort of specialised in that area, um, and then obviously through the solicitors, you'll exchange on the contract the purchase lease option contract for one pound. That's typically what you would pay. Okay. Um, obviously, you've got solicitor's fees and all that sort of stuff on, on top of that.
1: And then, um,
2: sorry, yeah, for, yeah, regarding the the sort of lease fee. That obviously again is negotiable. The great thing with options is, um, for me anyway, I'm I, I'm quite entrepreneurial, I sort of like that side of it, the creative side of things, you can be very creative with these things, uh-huh. um, and obviously the solicitors are drawing up the contracts and you can sort of put forward how it's going to work, which obviously a great thing for investors if you like to sort of do that sort of thing. Um, so again, you're looking for does the does the vendor have a mortgage on the property? Um, how much the mortgage is, what their interest rates are, um, is it variable, is it fixed, how long is it fixed for? So you want to sort of get all that information because obviously you can't help the vendor out um, if you're not aware of that and sort of negotiate um, a sort of purchase lease option on there. So for example, if um, the vendor's got a mortgage of, I don't know, say £600 um, a month, make numbers easier, um, and they're paying that every single month, you can sort of, negotiate a good price for with the vendor on the lease fee per month so um again if they're more just 600 pounds you can sort of i personally like to make it a bit more attractive to, for the vendor, so i might start my negotiation what is slightly higher than 600 pounds um because they're making a bit of cash flow during that that time as well obviously it's more attractive for them as well and obviously they're, they're getting something out of it um, and obviously that's got to determine sort of what you can rent it out for as well um because uh, there are occasions obviously you might only be able to just cover the mortgage because that's what would sort of make it work cash flow wise for yourself mm-hmm. Um so so yeah basically it's say so they might have a mortgage for say 600 pounds and you might pay a lease fee of say 700 800 pounds mm-hmm. Um so it makes it very attractive for the vendor also that's a set amount so obviously uh, once the contracts are drawn up everything you are legally obliged to pay that lease fee every single month and um, just like you would sort of, you know, with a with a mortgage payment, um, and obviously that's paid to the vendor uh, once a month also during the like obviously the um, during the length of the option period.
1: So it's it's guaranteed payment to them effectively, isn't it?
2: Yeah, 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 definitely guaranteed payment to them um, every single month. I, I treat all of mine any option I go into. I treat it as if I'm definitely going to buy the property, um, mm-hmm. because obviously then. Um, you're going to be doing the right thing, also, as well. You're you your the the lease fee, basically a mortgage payment to me. I, I see it that way, because obviously, um, yep. you're, you're legally about to pay, pay the amount and everything.
1: It's that's interesting because I think you've kind of pegged your lease fee, and I, and, I, and I appreciate what you said that it is flexible and you can just discuss and negotiate. But you, uh, it yeah. sounds like you try and peg your payment to the excuse me, the owner's uh, lease. Uh, sorry, not lease, uh, mortgage payments. Um, you didn't mention market yeah, market rent of the property there i'm just curious about that i guess that could be something else you could peg it to
2: is that would that be fair definitely yes yeah. so obviously the, the, the thing you've got to sort of look for is what is the, the amount each month for the for the vendor mm-hmm. um well and it obviously varies on which strategy you use so again say if the the mortgage amount is 600 pounds but the rental amount for that area um, Is only 550 pounds. Obviously, it wouldn't work. So you've got to sort of look at those sorts of things. With the strategy I use on HMOs, um, obviously, you can get much more rental income. So you might uh, have a mortgage payment of 600 pounds, but the rental amount you can get on a on a HMO in that area might be say 1500, 1600 pounds a month. Um, so obviously, then it sort of works in much, much more in your favour as well and uh, also the the vendors happy because you might be paying them £700, £800 pounds on the lease fee.
1: Yeah. So I, I think that's great that you start from the position of um, understanding the issues that the, the owner or vendor might have because it um, yeah. sounds to me like you're trying to almost tailor-make a proposal which fits their mm-hmm. needs. Is that is that kind of fair?
2: Definitely, yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely key for sort of creative financing deals like this because... Um, if you can just go in there and sort of throw a proposal at a vendor, it might not suit them at all. Like I said, it, it might be, you say, if you don't know what their mortgage payments are and it is £600 a month and you say, well, I'll lease it off you for 400 even if they do agree to that, because they, sadly some people get into obviously bad situations, um, and they might be that desperate, they agree to your lease fee of £400, their mortgage is £600. And then two or three years down the line, because they've agreed to this bad deal, if they sort of get into any trouble or any problems, that's obviously going to be on effect with you as well. Because if that vendor can't make the mortgage payments because you're not even covering them, um, and if they went bankrupt or something, then obviously that's going to affect you as well because that, that could uh, affect your option.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we'll come on to that. Some of the maybe potential downsides later, I think, if, if that's OK. Yeah. Just just to finish on. off on this section, though, you 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 personally like um, HMOs you mentioned. But um, I know, when we first spoke, I know, I know that you, you mentioned other things, but do you think um, you can tie uh, other types of rental strategy to a lease option? Or, or indeed not necessarily yeah. rental strategies, but what else can you do when once you've got control of the property? What are the property strategies would you consider, in other words?
2: Yeah, again, there's, there's a different thing you can do. You can, I've got a couple of single lets also that I've done purchase lease options on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, you can do, do this on single lets. Obviously, the, the mortgage payments are like maybe 100, 200 pounds. You cover that and you can maybe rent it out for 400, 500 pounds. Uh-huh. Um, you can use LHA strategy as well. I don't personally do that, but you could um you could get a, a purchase lease option on a on a single let property and you can use the LHA strategy which obviously um you can get much better rental income from. Um there's also flipping properties on this. So you could you could do an option, um you could lease the property short term, you could give the, the property a refurbishment. Um add some value, do some small development, maybe add a conservatory or something. So it might be more of a short-term option, maybe six months, twelve months. Um, do the property up and then you could sell it and, and sort of make the the equity growth that you sort of gained on the development side of it.
1: Yeah, and and I guess you could also do things like tenant buyers and things like that, couldn't you? On a more longer yeah, space. Definitely, yeah. So definitely, I, yeah. I guess what we're kind of driving at is it's
2: quite flexible. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so again, like I said, it's the strategy I really like because you can be very creative with it. It's um, sort of tailor make them to suit the vendor's needs and also your own needs, um, which makes it again a very win win sort of situation. And why, for me, um, it works. It works a lot with vendors and people in situations like that.
1: It's interesting you say it can work a lot with vendors um you know the, I, I guess in the um, in the downturn that we had around about you know 2008 to 2010 in particular um, yeah. one of the most obvious drivers that people might have had at that point in time is negative equity and you mentioned that earlier yeah um, yeah. But is that is that the only trigger or you know motivation why a, a, an owner or vendor might consider a lease option? Are, you know, you mentioned you touched on a few. I'm just curious to know if, if in other words, is it is lease options only but only suitable in a down market or is it suitable in other situations and other uh, market cycle uh, positions as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion where there's, there's always purchase lease option deals out there. Um, the market conditions do sort of dictate sometimes obviously in a down market where people are like you said in negative equity things like that there are going to be a lot more opportunities to do purchase lease options because the market has picked up a bit now i'm finding they're not as many purchase lease options but they're definitely still out there and um, so i personally think they could, they could work in any sort of market um again because they are creative they're flexible you can sort of come to a good agreement with both parties um i think they're really good yeah i mean there's a lot of different situations, so I've got a few a few HMOs, a few properties which um, the vendor was in negative equity, but I've got a lot of them where um, sometimes it might be an unencumbered property, so they've got no mortgage on the property. Um, I've got one, one occasion where the vendor didn't live locally, uh, they actually lived down south. Um, the, the property was looking a bit tired, um, but they had no mortgage on the property. So, basically, when I spoke to the vendor, I said, well, if you, if you sell the property, what are you going to do with the money? So, then they said, well, I'll just probably leave it in the bank. So, again, you can be a bit more creative, and this is where that sort of creative side comes out. And I said, well, obviously, if you put the, the money in the bank, you're going to get, say, 1% or 2% in the bank. What, and I this is an opportunity, and then I, I proposed to them a purchase lease option. I said, well, if I pay you, say, £800 a month. Um, a lease fee guaranteed rent every single month for five years that's going to be say six percent a month rather than the, what the bank would give you one or two percent so again that's a situation where the vendor was well off they have a, a great job no problems unencumbered property um but i thought sort of taylor made a solution where it obviously made much more sense for the vendor to make more money during that time as well so they got the, the purchase price they wanted and obviously, during the auction period, they obviously made a much better interest rate than they would putting it in the bank.
1: I'm actually really going to drill into this in a second, in terms of you know uh, how do you find these people? But before that, you, you yeah. kind of you are touching a little bit on onto the potential benefits, and I wanted to just kind of ask you about that. You know what's in it—the yeah. for various—I call them stakeholders—but effectively, you've got yeah. the property owner, you've got you—you you as a property investor, and you've got mm-hmm. tenants, broadly yeah. as the stakeholders. Yeah. What what are the sort of mm-hmm. typical benefits that my each of those parties might look 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 to with a lease purchase option?
2: So so basically, I mean, from obviously from the investor's point of view, uh, my strategy. So I'll give you the example there, which I just um, used. Um, I did this deal, I think it was about a year and a half ago now. So we agreed on an £800 a month lease fee every single month. We agreed a five year option period um, at purchase price of today's market value. Um, So obviously the lease fee is £800. I personally rent to professionals. um, So I do an all bills included package for the tenants as well. So um, it's all bills included, which is normally about £350, £400 a month. Um, I do obviously uh, TV package, um, Wi-Fi, all that sort of stuff, which is, from, obviously from a tenant's point of view, very good. Um, and then I can actually rent that property out to $2,300. Um, so I make um, like just like about £1,000 a month on that property, uh, cash flow net. Um, so from the investor's point of view, um, you're obviously making great cash flow there. I've got an option price now, so I'm, in the next five years, very very i to uh, get some good capital growth there as well um obviously from the investors point of view it's great you're getting both cash flow and capital growth um, from the vendor's point of view in in this situation again they didn't live locally so it was a bit of a hassle for them they couldn't get it rented out it was tired they had to spend a bit of money on the property um, it was unencumbered they had no mortgage on there um, so from their point of view, they're getting a much better. They're going to make more money than they were selling it now. Obviously, they were just going to leave the money in the bank. So I'm giving them a, <clears throat> a higher lease fee, guaranteed every single month. Um, they're making, I think it worked out something like six point two percent every single month, rather than the one or two percent that they made in the bank. So from the vendor's point of view, they're making much more money. It's no hassle for them. It's guaranteed. They don't have have to find tenants, have to find money for maintenance, all that sort of stuff. It's completely passive for them, so it's, from their point of view it's great as well. Uh-huh. Um, and then from the tenant's point of view, so during this period I've sort of tried, I've created um, sort of a management company around my HMOs, just privately managed. So I've own property managers, all that sort of thing now, which all privately manage my properties. Um, and we try and do it all, obviously, to a high standard. Um, we want the service to be good with an all-build-inclusive all package at, at um we have cleaners uh, twice a month who come around and clean all the properties and make sure the standards are kept high. Um, so from the tenants' point of view, from, from that sort of angle of it as well, the tenants are getting a, a great house to live in in a great location. Um, so that's sort of, a, in my opinion, why it works so well sort of for each part
1: yeah I can see that there's definitely triggers and interest for for all parties aren't there with uh, with this strategy mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah, yeah. I, i've got to ask you then <laughs> how do you find these people who will yeah. uh, agree to uh, lease option their property to you um because they're not they're not advertising on right move are they well, they're not advertising on right move no, the no. <laughs> <anyway. laughs> no
2: they're not um so basically i I go straight to the vendors so i market straight to the vendors um Obviously because my strategy is HMO properties, um, then I look for sort of certain sized properties in certain areas. So in Leeds, um, big university city, there's a lot of big properties like that where they sort of uh, live and everything. So I target those areas, specifically target those areas. So I will do letters straight to vendors. Um, If you see a certain amount of properties, what you think are are very suitable to earn. HMO, you can go on the land registry, pull off their details and sort of send a letter straight to them. Um, Agents as well. Um, A lot of the time, agents can be very receptive to purchase these options as well. Um, Letting agents in these sorts of areas because you've got to think from a a letting agent's point of view, they're looking after properties and they are a complete wreck. Um, The landlord doesn't want to spend any money. It's very, very difficult for them to get to get it rented out. If you're if you're going to speak to the letting agent, saying, "Look, I'm going to spend a bit of money on this property, doing it up, making it look nice, it's going to make it much more easy to rent out. Um, you can sort of obviously give them, um, I don't know, like a finder's fee or something. So it's a win sort of situation for the for the letting agent. Obviously, then you can get get contact with the landlord that way, um, which is a strategy that works very well, also.
1: So um, direct-to-vendor, as you say, I, th- I like the personalized approach. So basically you find out the property, then track down the owner and then write to them individually, yeah, I guess?
2: Yeah, definitely, yeah. So um, yeah. There's, there's things like the HMO register and all that sort of stuff as well, where you, there's, um, the owners uh, the property properties they own, uh, their addresses, so you can send letters to their addresses through that as well. Um, and sort of personal approach to it obviously approaching them personally and sort of um, seeing if you've got if you can provide a solution to them for sort of the uh, problems they might have with the property
1: great and I guess from the agent's point of view so you're talking letting agents point of view if you can you can you know reduce their hassle make their life easier but also potentially mm-hmm. um, they still get some sort of financial reward whether that's a, a finder's fee or ongoing uh, uh, letting agent fee I suppose
2: could happen as well couldn't it no, definitely, because I mean from a letting agent's point of view, they've got a property that's pretty much impossible to rent out. They're not going to make any money on it, it's becoming a hassle to them. If you can say to them, look, I'll pay you a finder's fee, or sort of come to an agreement with them, obviously then they're going to make a financial, you're going to give them a financial reward also, It mm-hmm. sort of benefits everybody.
1: Okay, brilliant. Well, um, if someone is looking to get into lease options, lease purchase options now, what what sort yeah. of uh, advice or general tips and pointers would you maybe give to them if they're starting out today
2: um I'll definitely educate yourself so I mean I was looking at I met a few people in America where it is a bit more common um, sort of I sort of sought them out afterwards so I've obviously found out a bit about them what they did and I sort of try to spend as much time with them as I, poss- as I possibly could. Um, so I saw it as a bit like a mentor, if you like, where you, you're learning as much as you can about a certain thing. And I did the same when I came back for to England. I found, <clears throat> I tried to find people who are who doing these sort of strategies. How are they finding them? What are they using? Um, so you can really educate yourself on it. I think education is really key on these sorts of things because you don't want to go in there and, and sort of do something wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you want to be able to sort of speak to them the right way. Um, the sort of, sort of like language you want to use when you're talking to them, things like that, um, which I think is really important. So I'd definitely say uh, educating yourself in that sort of area because it isn't that common in England. So a lot of people won't won't have heard of it. Um, so I think if you do educate yourself, you can sort of come about it in the right way with the vendors and things.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, it's a good point because if you walk into a vendor, uh, you know just you know pretty much first meeting say how do you fancy lease purchasing this to me and i'll buy off you in seven years type of thing they're just going to look at you like you're (laughs) bonkers i suppose aren't they so i'm pretty sure you (laughs) won't actually put it to them that way even though that's the the structure we've been talking about
2: (laughs) no definitely um so again it's the language you want to use so you go into a vendor i mean i'm sure if any of your listeners are listening now and they've never heard of a purchase lease option i'm sorry if someone came up to you and said oh can i buy your house on a purchase lease option that you'd be like what what do you mean what's what's that um, and you'd probably be frightened off from it so you want to sort of approach it in the right manner so again using the correct language so it might be um i am interested in your property but it doesn't sort of make sense for me now financially or whatever the, the, the situation might be um but i could do it over a delayed period of time and um, so and that's when you can sort of start negotiating on the length of the option, and uh, obviously you need to find out things like mortgage, payment if you've got them, things like that, um, and then you can sort of negotiate on that. And then maybe once a bit further down the line you can start using language like this is a purchase lease option, things like that, but definitely initially um, you want to be using much more basic language, um, like I said, things like a delayed, a delayed period of time, a delayed completion, um, I want to purchase your property now, but um, I want to purchase your property, sorry, um, but in the future and things like that to, to make it much more sort of accessible and easy for people to understand.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess you have to be prepared that, you know, not everybody's going to get it and you probably have to, you know, go go and talk to quite a lot of people uh, before you get that, that yes.
2: <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I mean, again, with these, um, you have got to obviously... Speak to a lot of vendors, things like that, because it might not suit that person's need. You can't force something that's not going to work. So you've got to sort of find the people where it's a good solution for them. And uh-huh. um, there's no point trying to make something fit that doesn't.
1: Yeah, totally agree. So we've talked about some of the upside. We talked about maybe how to approach people or find find the deals in general terms. But so what about you know the kind of gotchas, things to watch out for, the downsides of uh, of lease options? What what should people be aware
2: of to protect themselves? Um, definitely, the main one is make sure you use solicitors, um, because obviously these are these are contracts. Um, you hear some horror stories. Some people just doing these on you know, say one piece of paper just saying, "Oh, sign here. This is our option agreement." And if something did happen in the future, there's some problems or any arguments with the vendor, which obviously hopefully that would never happen. Um, then. Obviously, whether that would stand up in court—that this option agreement you've drawn up yourself—is very, very unlikely. Um, so you want to make sure you are both get uh, represented legally by solicitors. And um, like I said previously, I've, I've got my own sort of uh, solicitor I use for all of mine now. They're absolutely brilliant. they specialize specialising in this sort of area. Um, I know a few other ones that I can recommend to vendors if they're looking for them as well. Um, so
1: the key—the key there was for both sides to use a solicitor, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah, definitely. So you want to make sure that the vendors getting represented legally, also, and obviously, they can get the correct advice, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure, obviously, they're aware of everything, and how it works, and all that sort of stuff.
1: So the legal representation is one. Um, just on that subject, is um, do you have to register anything at land registry?
2: So basically, the solicitors will do it. Um, so, they will probably put a, a legal note on the land Registry, so that will, the option will go on the land Registry, basically, so, um, so if you're, once the option contract's been signed and everything, um, it's like a lockout agreement, so the vendor can't sell the property without notifying you,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, so basically, the, if, and if they ever did, say a vendor did try selling a property, and you've got the option on there, um, it would be flagged up straight away on the land Registry that you, you have this option. Mm-hmm. um and you have to be notified before that that could happen which obviously means that obviously you've done this option you're not going to want to sell it so um it's obviously a good thing from the, the investor's point of view
1: okay and just to be clear um you mentioned earlier that if um the the, the vendor has a mortgage and maybe doesn't maintain payments that um you mm-hmm. know there's a potential risk there isn't there that the if the if the um for whatever reason payments weren't kept up to date the lay the lender could step in and take their property back couldn't they
2: Definitely, yeah. So, so something I do if they do have a mortgage on the property, I will um, pay the mortgage direct. So you can speak to the, mor- the mortgage company um, before the contract sort, and just say to them, look after making the payments, um, and then you can make the payments direct there. And again, it does depend on the the vendor also. If you have a great relationship with this vendor, um, so I've, I've done, for example, um. I um, personally on a single property with a family friend um, and this is a, a property a few years ago um, and so what they do instead of me paying straight to the mortgage company they send me proof of payment every three months yeah the mortgage which <clears throat> so there's different ways of doing it but I would definitely recommend paying straight to the mortgage lender um, but if that's not possible um, definitely things like um, getting proof of payment that the mortgage has been paid every, I don't know, every two or three months would be definitely recommended.
1: Okay, and you you kind of said talk to the mortgage company. That kind of talks about maybe do you need permission from anyone to do this?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of <clears throat> obviously on HMOs and things, they're always buy-to-let mortgages, so you've got permission to sort of rent them out anyway. Um, on a single let, if it's a single let where it's it's a residential mortgage and things, you're gonna have to get permission to let. So obviously, you need to speak to the vendors and make sure they sort of get that before you would look at doing the option and also uh, ever renting it out.
1: Okay and, and what about things like your maintenance and repairs on the property and this sort of thing during the course of the uh, the, the option period, the lease period?
2: Yeah so all maintenance things is uh, responsibility of the investor so all of my, property, all of my HMOs things like that um, when I sort of put a proposal forward it's one thing again which is attractive with the vendors um, you're taking over all sort of maintenance and all that sort of stuff with them as well. And I, I like to do it that way as well. I think, like I said to you previously, um, I go into every lease option with the the view that I'm going to purchase the property. This is my property. Um, so you want to make sure the maintenance is done. You want to make sure that it's done to a good standard, the standard you want it doing. Um, so that's how I like to do it. I'm from that angle as well, so it's, it's all covered. And I guess you could negotiate that,
1: couldn't you? You could say things like anything that happens inside the property, you'll be responsible for. Anything happens sort of to the fabric, you know, like the roof or, you know, the actual walls, our external walls would be down to the owner. I guess you could negotiate that, couldn't you?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, so things like structural damage. Um, so if uh, the most options will be you're your covering sort of maintenance and all that sort of stuff, but anything structurally. So, obviously, like with the walls, with uh, roofs, things like that, that would have to be covered by the, the vendor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, you kind of hinted a little bit about education and uh, getting up to speed and um, it's quite a simple concept to kind of get your head around once you do. Uh, It's quite flexible, as we've talked Mm -hmm. about, but um, there's also a degree of complexity, isn't there? You talked about having to get solicitors involved, various permissions, this sort of thing. So I was just kind of driving it. Well, you know, what what sort of resources maybe did you find helpful and, and could you direct other people to? To, to maybe start that process off of getting getting an understanding of uh, lease purchase options.
2: Definitely, yeah. So again, like I said, I, I learned from a few a few sort of mentors early on, but I, along that time as well, I also read a lot, um, and and, and different various things like that. So Rick Cotton, I'm sure a few people have probably heard of Rick Otten, He's very big in Australia. Um, he's sort of the sort of person who who started really a lot of purchase, lease options, lease options on, on residential properties. He's got a, a few great books, um, you can get things on like Audible, um, a lot of audio books on there, things like that. Um, I, I read a book which is very good early on as well by a guy called Barry Davis, um, he's based down in Bristol, um, he's got a book called Escape the Rat Race, yeah. um, again, he he that's a very good book, we can sort of learn things. And there's various different educational programs as well um, who sort of cover these options. I know um, Property Investors Network, PIN, um, they do a few things on, on purchase these options, stuff like that as well. So there's various different resources like that where you can properly educate yourself um, and sort of understand all these sorts of things.
1: Fantastic. Well, some good pointers there. What I'll do as well is I'll put the links to those books that you've mentioned um, in the resources in the show notes so people can find them there. But um, I think, you know, to be honest with you, you know, this is the second time we've spoken in this way. um, Tom, I really enjoy the conversation and I'm pretty convinced there's going to be a lot of the listeners who are also interested um, because, you know, you've, you've actually been doing it. Um, you know you're not you're not sort of uh, on the circuit selling things i know that this is the first time you've done anything like this but uh, yeah, is a <laughs> is there a way that people could potentially uh, reach out to you and get in contact with you
2: yeah of course yes i mean, if anyone have got any questions or would like to know how to sort of do these sorts of things or would be interested in coming to have a look um, my email address is tom.appleton01 at gmail.com the more than happy to sort of help anyone out or any questions people might have um like i said it is a, a bit more of a complicated strategy so initially anyway so if i can help anyone out in that in that way that'd be
1: great that's very generous of you uh tom thanks for that um i i guess sort of probably just before we wrap up properly is, is there anything i should have asked you that i haven't <laughs> you know what you think um, what's
2: what, the guy missed his <laughs> point what is it <laughs> you know <laughs> no i, mean, I think we've we pretty much covered everything now like i said it's um, it is more of a creative strategy Um you, you can tailor make it to the strategy you're doing so if someone is doing single lets at the moment um, and sort of like that strategy and they might be coming across vendors where they're in a bit of negative equity or they've got sort of they've got no mortgage on the property but they don't want to sell it below market value it's another tool in the toolbox if you like you can I mean, I've, I've done all sorts of different properties I've done lots of joint ventures, I've done lease options, exchange for completions, I've purchased my own, and I think sort of having that in your toolbox, so if you come across a vendor where a BNB isn't going to work, or um, I don't know, something along those lines, and they're wanting the market value of it today, something like a lease option is a really powerful thing, and I've found it to be um, one of the best sort of solutions really, it really works for, for all parties.
1: And just to clarify, what we're talking about here quite quite clearly is that you're you're doing this yourself. You're finding the opportunities. You're talking to the vendors, and then you're packaging yeah. up the deal for your own personal benefit. But uh, probably what I did mean to ask you was that I guess that uh, there is another sort of channel here that um, investors could maybe get them indirectly through some sort of introducer or, or agent or sourcer. Yeah. So um, Yeah. I guess um similar rules apply but somebody else is doing the legwork but I guess the, 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 the from the investor point of view is maybe acquiring a deal like that, they have to spend a bit more uh, time and attention on the due diligence to make it or make sure it all stacks up. Is that be fair?
2: Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean I, I have sold a few few properties on in a purchase lease options and things that weren't sort of quite uh, what I was looking for weren't my strategy. Um so there are people out there that are doing them and sort of doing the right due diligence and all that sort of stuff. And if someone does present um, a deal to you, a purchase of deal, make sure you are doing your due diligence on it yourself as well. Make sure you're sort of looking at everything, looking at sort of rental income, the, the, the market value of the property, all that sort of stuff, and doing your own due diligence on it as well.
1: Wise words, actually, Tom. Very wise words. Always sort of, you know, recommending people do their own due diligence and not just believing what other people are telling them. Uh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure those people are, are saying the right thing, but uh, trusting your own uh, your own knowledge and your your own fact find is what I say. So, it's probably a very good way to uh, to draw a line on it. I really appreciated uh, talking to you both times we've, we've spoken, Tom. It's been great and um you know hopefully no no thanks a lot and um hopefully we'll carry on the conversation but i'm going to put the uh, the links to the books in the show notes and i'm going to put a, a link to your email address in the show notes thanks very much for sharing that it's very kind of you and um no, worries, a
2: lot. It's been
1: a pleasure. no i really appreciate your time today and it's you know it's good to talk to somebody who's pretty down to earth who's actually doing it uh making the the strategy work on the ground as it were so um it's been a pleasure to talk to you tom i really appreciate uh, your time and information experience no, I thought Richard could speak to you too. You too, you take care. Thanks a lot. So Tom mentioned a couple of resources and indeed his contact details and, and they're going to be in the show notes as, uh, as mentioned in, in our discussion. So have a look for those uh, or just drop me a note and I'll, I'll share them with you. Um, but lease options at, at first glance are a property investor's dream. Imagine being able to control a property to derive an income from it with an option, not an obligation to buy the property years into the future for a preset value, often for just a one pound down payment. It's true. This can certainly be done and indeed is being done as Tom so clearly demonstrates to us. However, Tom also stressed the importance of getting educated and specifically when it comes to an advanced strategy such as lease options or lease purchase options. On the surface, the the concept is quite simple to grasp. However, there are a number of things that could potentially cause our dream to turn into a bit of a nightmare. Firstly, speaking to property owners and agents, do they understand what a lease option is? Possibly not, unless the right language is used to help them get their heads around it. As, as, as we discussed in our interview, they're not exactly commonplace here in the, in the UK. They may be in the US and indeed Australia, but not necessarily here in the UK just yet. So using the right language um, is important, and using the wrong language could actually blow an opportunity simply by being confusing or making it sound just too difficult. Then legally, there are several aspects to be careful with. Tom also stressed the importance of both sides being legally represented and having a watertight agreement drawn up by solicitors. Of course, the last thing we need is to get five or seven years down the line and find that our option is totally unenforceable. Similarly, make sure the responsibilities of each party are clearly laid out in the agreement, including maintenance, repairs, furnishing, decoration, and any structural issues, as well as the financial obligations. Similarly, As ownership stays with the property owner until the option agreement is exercised and title is formally transferred, should the owner fall into financial distress or mortgage arrears, then the property could be called upon by various parties to settle off any debts regardless of our agreement. Permissions and compliance is another area to consider, especially lender permissions, insurance and licensing make sure the property is capable to be used in the way that you want to use it, and that the relevant bodies and authorities have consented to that. Lease options are something of an advanced and also a creative property strategy. But as can be seen, done correctly, they can offer a great way to finance a property investment by using the equity or existing finance of the property owner with this type of arrangement. I did in fact agree to proceed on a couple of lease option deals myself at the turn of the year. So it's an area that interests me as well as part of a a balanced portfolio. And in my case, I'm stressing as part of a balanced portfolio. The idea of having a few properties that are producing a short term income with a deferral of the payment to the purchase price is certainly very appealing. However, always do your own full due diligence as if you were buying the property and perhaps a bit more on top too. By their nature, these types of option agreements are also more complex and also tend to attract people and properties with some underlying issue. Our job, therefore, is to understand that issue and then ensure that we're protected against it. I know that I've been a little bit cautious perhaps in my wrap up. It's just that the sizzle of a lease option can appear irresistible to some. And so I just want to make sure that the right balance is brought into the conversation. However, as you can probably tell, Tom certainly seems like a, a down-to-earth sort of chap, who likes to do things the right way. So why not reach out to him and ask him more about his personal experience uh, if you're interested in this type of creative property financing proposition. Okay then, so another week of financing alternatives is under our belts and uh, we're not done yet either. Next week, I shall look at lease options again as I speak to a specialist in lease options that acts as a deal sourcer, finding deals for investors. So we'll get a slightly different perspective there. But as always, email me personally if you want to talk about anything from today's show or more generally in property. Uh, Podcast at thepropertyvoice.net is where you're going to find me. Of course, the show notes are going to be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. Other than that, I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on The Property Voice, the Voice Podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank
0: you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on The Property Voice Podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.